Welcome to Read My Lips Radio, a lively hour of unscripted conversations with savvy creatives. Producer and host, a.k.a. Radio Red, asks novelists, artists, photographers, designers, comedians, actors, musicians, composers, screenwriters, directors, and technology innovators about their creative passion, inspirational muses, and how they create. Ooh, how those lips can talk. Now, here's AKA Radio Red. Radio Red in the house. Thank you, Ryan Treasure, the voice who introduces me every week. Red is in the house. Happy to be here. It's August 8th. Where is the year going? I'm glad we're all here. We made it through 2020, 2021, and we are galloping through 2022, and I'm thrilled. I have a great panel today, and we're going to talk. What do we do? We talk about creativity. But a quick obituary, Olivia Newton-John left us today. They aren't saying exactly what. She was 73, which I think is a wonderful age, and she gave the world so much lovely music and so much beauty on the screen and through her music, and we thank her for her contribution to music and to just feeling good, right, everybody? She just made us feel good. And she was in Greece. Apparently, she went from a very wholesome girl to a very bad girl in those stretch pants in Greece. You know, that bad girl image. That was considered bad girl back in the day. Today, we don't want to talk about that. So as I said, it's August 8th, and I have a little assignment for my three guests. I didn't tell them this in advance, but if they listen to the show, they'll know. On the count of three, you're all going to join me in saying hello, L, L, L. One, two, three. Hello, Josh, every, Josh, my engineer, one name wonder. Every week I say that's the best. Josh, can you hear me? I think that was the best. They ended on exactly the same syllable. I'm impressed. LLL is lovely, lanky Laura Legs, our most loyal listener. She's in Whitestone, New York. I've been taking, David, I've been taking up a, a fictitious GoFundMe. There's no scam here. GoFundMe fictional for years to move her to London. But with the temperature problems in London this summer, I don't think LLL wants to move to London. So I think we're going to move her just one town over to Larchmont, New York. It's not as glamorous as London, but it's L. So it'd be L. Lovely, lanky Laura Legs in Larchmont. There you go. We'll just have to do that. Every night, every Monday night at 8.01 p.m., I will receive an email from LLL, and she will tell me a little bit about what she gleaned from each of my three or four guests. She'll give me a little report on what you spoke about and how much she enjoyed hearing you. And And she calls me lovely Beautiful, gorgeous lady of red, something like that. LLL, thank you very much. So here we are, August 30, August 8th. It's the 230th day of the year in the Gregorian calendar. I always do a shout out and a thank you to Greg, Gregory, Greggy. I don't know what his mommy called him, but we're still, Paul, we're still using his calendar and that counts for something. There's 145 days left in the year. This is the 32nd Monday. Nobody cares about that except me. But 145 days is important because, Debbie, if you wanted to make Kahlua in the sink in the garage, you want to start now so the flavors melt. David, if you wanted to start making some homemade whiskey or something, you know, in a still in the backyard, moonshine, yeah, I, I think you get away with it. It's time to start. And Paul, if you wanted to order some special champagne or bubbly or wine or beer on an online store, the shelves are going to be empty very soon this year because everybody's happy, very happy to have had another year alive, right? So I would start ordering now. So you've been warned. There you go. Western Zodiac. We're in Leo, July 23rd to August 22nd. Creative. Debbie, are you a Leo? Yeah, I had a birthday three days ago. Oh, Mazel Tov. Happy birthday. I won't sing. It'll ruin the show. Creative, passionate, generous, warm-hearted, cheerful, and humorous. That's Debbie. And she also could be, uh, 
I have to say it, Debbie. I'm sorry. Arrogant, stubborn, self-centered, lazy, or inflexible. Is that you? We're not going to no. talk. Def- definitely not. And your lucky numbers are <laughs> 1, 3, 10, and 19. We'll go with that. Hmm. So I have three guests. Let me tell you very briefly. You're going to raise your hand and wave to the camera when I call your name, and then I'll ask you each to introduce yourselves more fully. Paul, pronounce your last name for me, please. Knock, knock. Who's there? Ah. Who? <laughs> Bahu. Paul Bahu. I thought so. It's B-A-H-O-U. Thank you, sir. That was lovely. Paul began his writing his his career writing grants, which is not an easy thing to do, while playing in his rock band. He's an author he's going to tell us all about in a minute. Paul, shout out to Mickey Mickelson, who sent you to me for this spot on the show. And thank you, Mickey. And Paul and I were comparing hair lengths. Mine used to be as long as his, and it's a lot shorter now. I told him this red is very expensive. Can't afford to do the full length hair. Anyway, Debbie Peterson is with us. I met you at the National Publicity Summit a few weeks ago. Debbie, months ago, maybe. Debbie is an author. She's an entrepreneur. She's a former mayor. Ooh. And a real estate broker. Debbie, welcome. We're going to enjoy talking to you. And wave hello, David Rich. Richards, you're, you're David. You're not going by Dave. David Richards. I like that. He's an author. He's a life strategist. He's a U.S. Marine veteran. Thank you for your service, sir. And he's a yoga instructor. And I'm calling this show Creativity Seeks Its Voice. Do you like that, everyone? Do you like I that? I love it. I love it. Like it? I tried. I have to come up with a different little moniker for the title for the episode every week. So I thought Seeks Its Voice because that's what you're all doing. So let's go around the table, Paul. Bahu, you're up first. I, I hope I said yeah. it right. You should see some of the guests with, with 18-syllable names from in European languages on my business shows, and I really practice hard to pronounce them right. And I, what's, I, you know, batting about I have the most them. difficult five-letter last name in existence. You really do. So, Paul, I'm oh, putting... Wow. I'm putting you on putting you on speaker view. Would you please take me? We have a three-minute rule on the show and read my lips. Would you please take a couple minutes and tell us who you are, what you do, a little bit about your take on creativity. Why are you here? Paul, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me, Red. All right. So uh, my name is Paul Bahu. Uh, I own a recycling company with my brother called Global Plastics Recycling. And we process PET bottles into the usable feedstock that becomes your new things, like your new bottles, food packages, carpet fibers, all sorts of fun stuff. So I started off in grant writing, doing that in the recycling sustainability sector while playing in a rock band. And eventually, you know, the rock dream, while the rock dream died, the hair. I still have the uh, the trophy from the good old days. And uh, I uh, put my first book out last year. It's called uh, Sunset Distortion, The Pyramid at the End of the World. And it's about uh, an 80, a middle-aged 80s rocker who never gave up the dream and gets abducted by space aliens and goes on a fantastic journey. It's, uh, it's, it's like uh, the, the Big Lebowski meets Spinal Tap meets The Odyssey. So it's it's fun. It's out there. And I love creativity. I've, I've recorded records. I've put books out. I had a whole long painting phase. So I'm, I'm a firm believer in the need to exercise our demons through art. Wow. Well, I, I told you you're going to say something iconic. You beat my time frame, though. I have that at 7.09 p.m. Eastern. So can you write that down? You can find that in the, the track when I send you the audio. Paul, thank you. Paul, you're a very happy person. Is there something, just quickly, where does that happy come from? Is that from being so creative? Is that from the demons in your writing and your characters? Where does that come from? Uh, I beat stage four cancer, so I'm not supposed to be here. 
So I'm just, uh, you know, every day is a gift. And I think happiness is a choice. And even when we're, we are at our most uh, dire predicament, uh, there's always uh, another way to look at it. So uh, uh, let the small stuff just brush right off. Know what I mean? Good philosophy on life. Been there. You've mastered it. You conquered it. I'm glad you're here. Okay. I'm glad Thank too. you very, very much. Thank you. Sure. I didn't know that anybody, I didn't know we had a recycling business and I don't know we beat cancer. And so we learn things and it's the creative approach to life that keeps us going. Right, Paul? We just That's right. figure it out. There's no handbook. We figure it out. And let's go around the table. Debbie Peterson. I'm so happy to see you. For those of you who aren't seeing Debbie on Facebook right now, we're streaming live. She has a beautiful pink jacket and a gorgeous uh, like a coral looks like flat beads necklace to go with the pink and it's just stunning. So Debbie, welcome. I'm putting you on speaker view. Would you please honor me by telling us about yourself? What do you do? Why are you here? And what does creativity mean to you? Debbie, go ahead. Of course, I'm Debbie Peterson and I wore my pink in honor of you. I didn't want to do red, of course, but um, with that fabulous background, I had to do something. And I also have to say, I love Paul's cosmic background too. That's fabulous. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, um, I am, uh, my most recent gig was I was the former, I'm the former mayor of a small town in California. And I wrote about the corruption I uncovered when I was the mayor. It's mm -hmm. called the happiest corruption, sleaze, lies, and suicide in a California beach town. And it's uh, it's a true crime story about uh, the the corruption I uncovered and that a uh, number of really disparate group of citizens uh, have been working to take it down. And um, my creativity started when I was about, I suppose, probably the age of 10. I decided I wanted to write. But in uh, true style with my family, we've always said that we're late developers. So I didn't get started until it was about my fourth career. And I'll talk a little more about that later. Um, before I was the mayor, uh, I was a real estate broker, and that's how I make my living. And before that, I lived in Scotland for 20 years. And I had a cookie company there. You know, the Debbie Fields, everybody around the time of Olivia Newton, we all had cookie companies. Well, I had one in Great Britain and became the young Scottish business personality of the year and an honorary Scottish uh, master baker. You have to say that carefully. And, um, uh, and then uh, had a son and decided I'd better bring, bring him back to the United States to raise him. So he, his dad and I brought him back here to the States. And, um, and after that, the rest was history. I became a planning commissioner and a city council member and then the mayor. Creative life. As I said, we didn't come with a handbook. We didn't pop out a mom with a handbook on what came next. They helped us figure it out. We figured it out. Still going. Debbie, I think I've had seven or nine careers. Are you only four? What have you been doing with your life? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, my mother told me when I was 19, I, I called her one day from college and said, Mom, I'm scared to grow up. I don't want to grow up. I, I don't want, I'm scared to have a career. And she said, Honey, you don't have to grow up. I still don't know what I want to do. You can have lots of careers in your life. So maybe I've got a few left in me. 
But I've got a few books I've got to do first. You do. I like that. And you know, there's a song from the show, Peter Pan. And my mom was, my mom played the piano since she was about 10. I have her baby grand. She passed away at a hundred years, one month, 15 days in my arms because she couldn't sleep. And she said, come over, fluff my pillow. No aid, no doctors, nothing. She just lived on her own. Paul and David and Debbie, she played piano, mahjong and bridge up to the day she died. She had a cough and we didn't know this was the flu that was killing people before COVID and the flu shot didn't work. And she just took her last breath and that was it. It was just bingo, gone, kept her on a ventilator for a day and a half, put us in a beautiful suite at the hospital and we had a chance to say goodbye. But mom used to play, and I think I still have her sheet music, Debbie, from the show, Peter Pan. And the song you remember was, I won't grow up, I won't grow up, I don't want to go to school, want to go to school to learn, da-da-da-da, and obey the golden rule, cause growing up, da-da-da-da, will eat my ability to climb a tree. I'll never and you grow know, up, right? That's, Paul, do you remember it? Paul's too young. Yes. David, but, but do you remember Peter Pan it? was Scottish. Was Peter Pan really? lived in Scotland. The author lived in Scotland. Is it Peter Barry? And he wrote that Peter? while he was in an insane asylum. Oh, geez. I'm singing the wrong song. Okay. <laughs> Never grow up. Not but you me. sang it so well. That oh, song please. got a whole lot darker. <laughs> <laughs> we were having fun there, Debbie. What'd you do? I won't say Debbie Downer. Sorry. I didn't say that. No, thank you very much. Debbie, pleasure to have you on. David Richards, you are so polite waiting your turn. There you are. You look like you're ready to go. David, why don't you introduce yourself and what does creativity mean to you? Welcome. Absolutely. Red, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be on tonight. Uh, so I grew up in the military, so unique up upbringing, um, moved around quite a bit, spent three years in Japan as a kid, which was fascinating. Um, and that really kind of sparked my creativity probably started watching Spider-Man and Super Friends on uh, weekends while my parents slept in. My dad was a Marine. Um, but we moved to Japan, which was amazing. Their toys were so much cooler than the toys we had in the States. But also being exposed, we lived there for three years and being exposed to Eastern philosophy at that point had a tremendous impact on me. So I came back to the States in the early 80s and um, was just a different, like I felt a little out of place because most of my classmates, even though they were all military, didn't have the same Japanese exposure that I did. I had some success with writing. I published uh, some poetry. I had a short story that won national recognition. And yeah, it was it was kind of cool. It was kind of cool. But I had no confidence and no appreciation for what it meant to be a writer at that point in my life. So I followed in my dad's footsteps. I joined the Marines, uh, was in Somalia as part of the initial landing force way back in the early 90s. And I kind of served in 15 years and I realized I, I don't want to follow in my father's footsteps literally and do the same things he did. And I kind of want to know what's on the other fence outside the world of military. Like, what is it like to be not in the military or not associated with the military? So I got out in 2006, immediately fell in love with yoga. That wasn't part of the plan. But uh, after a year became an instructor, it was just like, this is fascinating. Just this mental, spiritual whole thing that's happening. And uh, was also working in IT, uh, corporate uh, America in a Fortune 500 company for IT, a big IT company. But I realized, really read that because I was in the military, when I was in the military moving so much, I never really thought about writing because it was just too, there was no point really because at any moment I could be called to go somewhere. And so it just didn't make sense. Mm -hmm. And getting out, I realized, oh my gosh, I could write. Like I, I, I can stay in the same place like for years, potentially, without having to worry about moving and relocating and get to know a place and kind of get to know myself. 
Um, and so for 11 years, I worked on horror stories because I wanted to be the next Stephen King. And uh, you get about like 100 pages in, story would tank. And then I'd get like so frustrated after six months that I just put it aside. And a year and a half or two years would go by, same thing would happen. So that happened for 11 years. And then in 2016, uh, someone gave me a whiskey and yoga t-shirt for Christmas. And I read Napoleon Hill's Think and Go Rich. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's it. I'm going to write a story about helping people find their purpose in life. I wrote my first book in 2017. And uh, that's kind of got me on this journey. And really, you know, you, you ask about creativity. That, in my mind, imagination is the single greatest underutilized asset in the world today. If we had more people leveraging their imagination, we could transform the planet in an unbelievably short amount of time. Thank you very much. Imagination is part of it. Imagination, I think that's where innovation comes from. You have to imagine something that isn't there or a different way to use something that is there. And think, think of, look around us. Look at the world we're in. I'm sitting here at a desk in Durham, North Carolina, talking on a microphone through a box called a computer. And I've got something called Zoom that's connecting us. I'm not in the same room with David, with Debbie, with Paul. We're all talking to each other. We're on something called Facebook. Facebook that's sitting there. I don't know why the bird is fluttering. I got lights on all over my desk here. It's weird. And, uh, and, and we're being seen by people all over the world without any wires, without us being, we're not in a TV studio. We're not in a radio. Think, oh, Imagine. don't. We, we get thunder, thunderstorms here in Durham. We had, and I said to Alexa, any rain today? She said, no rain tonight, no rain today. Do you want to know the forecast tomorrow? And she said, no rain tomorrow. Well, here it is. We're having a sun shower about an hour ago, and the rain is pelting the house. You can hear it on the roof. You can hear it on the windows. You can see it hitting the screens on the porch. She said, no rain tonight. Anyway, I just heard thunder again. It's getting dark. God bless us all. Mm-hmm. So my point, I forget. Let's move on. So thank Wait, you all. Are you, in Dur- are you in Durham, North I'm Carolina? In, I'm in Durham, yes. I'm in Mooresville, so. Oh, hi. Okay, <laughs> Hello, well, neighbor. I'm, I'm selling. So if you, if you know anybody <laughs> wants to buy a house, but you're probably not old enough to live in this community. What can I tell you? Paul's definitely not. Debbie, maybe. Debbie knows where I am. So anyway, thank you very much. So again, David, thank you for your service. And I'm very intrigued that you started to write and then you put it away and then it was six months and a year and then it was 11 years. And I started writing my novel, which is a scathing, sarcastic murder mystery that's so fun and so sarcastic that I got so interested in the sarcasm, I forgot to solve the mystery. So I put it away about three months ago. I wrote it. I have such a good time writing it. And I'm finding, David, I'm finding my voice. And my voice is long, long sentences with a lot of adjectives that I'm actually alphabetizing Paul. So if I have, and they love to play cards on Friday afternoon, I'll put a list of 20 popular card games and I'll alphabetize them. It could have been this and this and this and this and this. And and you run out of breath trying to get through the sentence, but I'm finding that that's the voice I want in my book. And the disclaimer says in the beginning, if you think this resembles anybody, you know, a place, a smell, an accessory, a car, a hair, a house, anything like that, you could be right. And the subtitle of the book is You Big Dummy. (laughs) And I'm using a pen name, named after wine that's red. Well, I'll tell you all afterwards. I've announced it so many times, everybody in love with them. Eventually, David, I can't wait 11 years. I really can't. But I might wait once I move, I think, because it's about this community. And if they knew I was writing it, they'd go, (gasps) anyway, we don't want that. Or they'd run me out of town, but they could buy my house first. But I digress. I've asked my three very special guests to send me a quote from a 
fictional character in a movie or a TV show or a song lyric that has nothing to do with creativity, and they're going to explain how it does. So let's go around the table. Paul Bahu has sent us a quote from Sturgill Simpson, new to me. The song 2019 is titled Make Art, Not Friends. Isn't that a great title, Debbie? Make Art, Not Friends. And the album is called Sound and Fury. Sturgill, John Sturgill Simpson, born in 1978. That's a young kid. American country music singer, songwriter, and actor. Seven albums as a solo as of this year. How about that? Here's the line Paul has selected. Face in the mirror, all skin and bones. Bloodshot eyes and a heart of stone. Never again, rather be alone. Think I'm going to just stay home and make art, not friends. Wow, Paul, where'd this come from? Talk to me. Is that amazing? Go ahead. I mean, it's it's from a great album. Uh, I really like it. He's a he's a bluegrass artist who wrote his own version of Dark Side of the Moon, if you will. And so it's mm. just this kind of one of a kind record. But uh, on that song in particular, it really resonated with me. And it's got like you know three minute long spacey synthesizer intro, and and it just it, it has no business working, but it does. And and when I heard that line, like I, my brain like said, oh, what? That's exactly it. Because I, I think anyone who does anything creative and regardless of your medium, mm-hmm. you kind of get to those places sometimes where you might be getting a little antisocial because you're so just in your zone and everything else is kind of falling by the wayside. And I, and I, I can't really do that as much now these days because I have two small children and, you know, you kind of have to parent and do that whole thing. So I can't just disappear in my, you know, my room for days on end and just work on a story or write a song or something like that. But just that idea that, you know, you've gotten so into it and and that is where you want to be and that's where your headspace is and you don't want to be around other people and your, your face is showing it, your body is showing it that you've been just in this creative zone. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think that, you know, to be able to fall into that and to really work on what you're working on and give it a hundred percent of your attention and focus, I, I think is a wonderful thing. And it's very therapeutic and it's, and it just yields some of the best work you're going to put out. And that, that, that particular lyric from that song just always really stuck out as, you know, how, where are you at mentally? Do you want to make art? Do you want to make friends? Thank you. I've never heard anybody put it quite that way, but without getting into detail, I think I agree. Paul, we have a lot to talk about after the show. <laughs> I agree. You you made a distinction there, and, and I agree. Been there, experienced that. Mm-hmm. Make art, not friends. And I think the corollary to that, the caveat is, and don't worry so much about the friends, just keep making art. Right, Paul? Yes. There we go. We got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Debbie Peterson, let's move on. Well, this is one, two, three, four, five, six little words. And this is a character I haven't thought about in years. Geraldine Jones, fictional African-American character and the most famous recurring persona of comedian Flip Wilson on his variety TV show from 1970 to 74. And in January 72, how many years, how many decades ago was that, Debbie? Time Magazine cover featured Flip Wilson and named him TV's first black superstar. Very interesting. Geraldine was sassy and confident, a liberated Southern woman. I don't think you were alive, Paul, then. Coarsely flirty yet faithful to her unseen boyfriend, Killer. She called him Killer. And here's the line. This is, uh, David, you might remember this. The devil made me do it. Debbie, I didn't do that real well. Can you do a Flip Wilson, Geraldine? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. 
My my other favorite one was what you see is what you get. That's it, devil. And the other one was when you're hot, you're hot. When you're not, you're not. I should have yes. bring. I should have brought up a clip from Geraldine. I don't know if we're allowed to pl- do clips from original shows, but anyway, how did you find us, and what does this have to do with creativity, Debbie? Well, I I love it. I love Flip Wilson. He had a boring, he had a kind of an unusual name, Clero, but he was called Flip. And I have no idea why he was called Flip, but I, one of my, uh, it depends how you think of it, but one of my, we'll call it a character flaw for now. Mm-hmm. Character flaws is that I, be, I can be kind of Flip. And so when I was the mayor, I always had to be very, very careful and never be Flip because it's usually not politically correct or at least not acceptable under the circumstances. But it's a, I think it's really a very, very creative thing, the whole flip thing where, and, and a lot of times creativity is just flipping something that's already there. And in fact, you're, the conversation you just had with Paul, it's kind of a flip thinking about it differently. And, um, and that's how creativity works for me. I don't go out looking for it. It comes to me. It's spontaneous. It's quick. And, um, and it's, it's insightful, it's perceptive. um, And it's usually something that just hits me like, wow, that's right. And I remembered everything flip, not everything, but I remembered those three sayings from, from Flip Wilson for all these years. And he was my favorite, favorite of all time. He just, he makes me laugh. And Geraldine, she was so cheeky. She was so outrageous, but she was so funny. And I just love the whole concept of being able to you know, for me, I can, if I get flip and I'm, I'm in trouble, I just say, Oh, the devil made me do it. And I, I feel like that's a really good excuse. I, I think it is. I really do. She was a very strong, strong-willed woman and she knew and killer, my boyfriend killer. By the way, Flip Wilson's TV show at the time was the second highest rated show on television. So he, mm-hmm. he came up with a formula, a persona. And to think about it, that he was portraying a woman, a sassy woman back in the 1970s, yeah. that had to be a little bit outrageous. But Debbie, I was thinking of we flip a switch. Right, everybody, when you're mm-hmm. you're at least expecting creativity to happen and it flips the switch in your brain and your heart and your in your soul, flip the switch and you're in that zone. Right, Paul, when you're in the zone for creativity and David, I, I'm going to go with flipping the switch. I think that's a yeah, for me, like that's that. a good metaphor. Thank you, Debbie, very much. And let's go on to David Richards. And David has sent us a quote from Victor Frankenstein played by actor-director Kenneth Branagh in Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, the 1994 science fiction horror film adaptation of the classic novel Frankenstein or the modern Prometheus, 1818. Very, very interesting. So here is the quote. I'm just going to read it, David, and let you explain it for us. I have love in me, the likes of which you can scarcely imagine, and rage, the likes of which you would not believe. If I can satisfy the one, I will indulge the other. David, perchance, can you enlighten us? Yeah, so. <laughs> that's heavy. Go ahead. It, it, it is. So that, and that's, uh, I believe that's actually Robert De Niro is playing the monster in uh, Kenneth Branagh's direction on that. But to me, I go back to the source material and Mary Shelley was 18 years old when she wrote that. And so that is to me. Wow the ultimate kind of sentence between creation and destruction. And that's really what a writer is in a lot of ways, because you come up with ideas. And for me, it was 11 years of horror stories that I created and then destroyed. And then finally kind of made a bit a huge pivot. But to me, just that, that sentence 
embodies everything that that story is about. Just the fact that man creates something and then isn't willing to like kind of create something more for that being and that creature and just the the power in that sentence. Like, even as you said it, I like got goosebumps. So. Oh, did I read it? Did I do okay? <laughs> it, was, I, it was beautifully done. Beautifully did I get done. a good mark? Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I, I enjoy spontaneous reads. I don't rehearse this stuff, but I, I like to be able to glance and put something into it of my own. Thank you so much, all three of you, for the quotes. Let's tackle some of your creativity statements. For the listeners, the viewers, I asked my guests in advance to send me four statements about what creativity means to them, and they've already told us a little bit, but I'm going to pick one statement from each of you. I will read the statement and ask you to come. Now, this is not a roundtable of what do you think of each other's statements. However, if Debbie and if David, you want to comment on one of Paul's, Paul told me he's in a good mood. It's okay. If you want to comment on one of his statements that I'm going to pick, just raise one of your, you have five fingers on whatever your right or left. One of the polite fingers. You have a choice of four polite. You got it. Thank you very much. One of the polite fingers at me and I will call on you. Otherwise, I will just keep picking statements from each of you. I'll read them and take two or three minutes and explain. So. Paul, I like your statement number one. I think this is really, I'll read it. You don't have to look for it. Being creative, listen to this, Debbie. Being creative is like eating food or breathing air. You'll die without it. Paul, I have never, I've been doing the show for a long time. I have never heard anything quite that forceful in terms of creativity. So talk to me. What does this mean? Oh my goodness. So I've dropped two bombs on you so far during this chat, huh? Yeah, yep. You're only 30 minutes in. (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, I look, I think everyone's got different kinds of brains and everybody's brain works differently. And some things that are come very easy to one person can be excruciatingly difficult to another. For me, I I have crazy ADHD and I can't focus on things. And if I do finally focus, then I'm all in and I'm sucked in. And my wife will have to call my name like three, four, five times to pull me out of it because I'm just I'm in it. And so I feel like for the way my brain functions, I have to find a way to um, exercise this part of my brain or I just start like feeling sick and I feel sad and I get depressed and just like things start losing their meaning and and I need to find a way to exercise it. And which is, it's just like exercise. Like David looks like he's in fantastic shape. And you know, if you stop exercising, what do you do? You feel kind of loogie and gross, right? That's how my brain feels when I stop, stop, stop exercising my creativity. So it can be anything. It can be, you know, art, it can be music. It can be how you approach your work, how you problem solve, how you approach just issues that face you in your day. It doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, art. It can be uh, any facet of your life and how you decorate your house to how you find function in, in your day to day, just, use that part of your brain to um, just keep it humming and keep it working, or you just kind of start breaking down or bogging down. And at least that's me. And that's why I had to go into writing. Um, I used to be in a band and I put out records and then that band broke up and I got a new band and then that band broke up and I couldn't get a new band together. And I was going crazy. I had just albums of songs ready to go and I couldn't find band members because people are notoriously flaky. And I said, (laughs) I need something anything an outlet that i can do without the need for other people to make it happen and i said you know i've always wanted to write this book it's been kicking around my brain for over a decade let's do it and and the you know the 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 chattering stopped you know i'm able to kind of get back into being less anxious and love it thank you i'm gonna say something real corny thanks for sharing (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean that. But I, uh, Paul, I have breaking news for you. I'm going to drop something on you. I may, I may be moving soon, but my drum kit is still in my, my second bedroom. I have a red sparkly Ludwig kit with, with Sabian symbols, and I have red sticks. And I don't have any here. I took them out of my office. But I've been a drummer for about four years, and I've had three or four bands. And you're right. It's hard keeping a band together. It's ve- it's not easy. Very difficult. Very difficult. People can I don't want to do that. And then they go off and form their own band. And I want to do this, and I don't want to do that. And I don't like this, and I don't like that. And you're making me learn too many songs. And then they, right? And they go off, and they do. Yeah, right? Or they say yes, and then they don't show up. Oh, that's never happened to me. Or they, yeah, okay. We just got a got a note, uh, Sturgill. I I put your quote into the chat for Josh, mm-hmm. our engineer. I thought he'd get it. And he says, "Love Sturgill." I just want to tell you that, Paul. Thank you, Josh. One name wonder. Yes, there we go. So, Josh, thank Josh. you very much, Debbie. I'm going to statement number three. This is very interesting. You say often, and I'm quoting Debbie Peterson. Often, when I am at ease, relaxing, daydreaming, or enjoying nature, creative ideas come across my mind. It's not. The quiet of nature that causes new thoughts and the time to reflect on them. Sometimes it's just a TV show or talking to someone, listening to the radio, or someone says something that will speak to me and trigger a new thought, idea, concept, or inspiration. So you're saying it's like a potpourri of of stimuli, of catalyst, Debbie? Talk to us. Yeah, and I think that really relates to Paul. I was going to say to Paul about the ADHD, I resemble those remarks. (laughs) I am... and I, and I view ADHD not as being a disability, but a different ability and, and a very big ability. And, and that's probably where the, I'd never thought of it this way, but that's probably where it comes from. I make connections, always connections with things that are out there, out there sometimes, <laughs> way out there. But I make the connections and um, and it is, it's spontaneous. It's, I don't go looking for creativity. Creativity comes looking for me. And so I, I, I really can't say too much more about it. And I find even, I don't even like to talk about it because it's almost like that takes the magic away because it is, it's kind of a, it's a magical thing. It's not a, it's not a manufactured thing. It just happens. And, and I think it's something that can happen. You kind of touched on it. You know, starting a business is extremely creative. Um, Anything you do that's never been done before, it's a brand new thing. Something it and it and there's a huge creativity in that. It comes in all kinds of all kinds of guises. Thank you very much. Very, very interesting. Yes, business is, and and I may surprise all of you, but oh Paul, go ahead. I see he's got a polite finger up. Go ahead, Paul. Yeah, I, I just want to go back to you because with your initial initial quote, um, it sounds like you know we kind of have the similar brains. Like, tell me if this is how you how you experience it too, is your brain is always yelling a thousand things at you simultaneously and it never stops. It doesn't stop. And so I find that, you know, it, it, it kind of like what, what, how your quote was where you're, you're in nature, you're, you're just kind of absorbing the things around you and just like kind of living your life and experiencing that through your day. You're able to pluck something out of the air and then all of the, the cacophony of things that are always just run through your brain kind of stop for a second. You're able to focus on that one thing and then you can run with it and you can go. Thank you, David. Go. I was just going to say on that, Paul, that's what that's why I fell in love with yoga, because I had so much noise in my head coming out of the military and getting to a yoga mat would like turn it off. And then I realized that wasn't enough. And what I took away from you was creativity is an obsession. 
like when you find something that you are going to like that you have an idea i mean it's edison and his 10,000 attempts to build a light bulb right it's mm-hmm. it's this thing that you you want to understand what it is and so you carve away at it and for me even i've been working on my next book for the last two and a half years i've written more than a thousand pages of journal entries all just trying to work do that work so i really heard from both of you really that it is it becomes this obsession and it is it's it's channeling through that noise to kind of cut the noise away. And, and I think honestly, right. It comes back to what you talked about at the beginning about owning your voice too. It's the discovering the voice through all that noise. Yes. Thank you. I have two things to add Debbie on the idea of business. You may not believe it, but I, in my other life, I'm considered an early woman in tech, not as early as, as Grace Hopper, but I was a programmer analyst back in the 1970s when programmer analyst had a slash and that was a job title. But what I loved was, here's a problem. We need a report to solve it. Here's the data. Go make it happen. Blank slate, tabula rasa, empty page, right? I had to write the code. I had the language. I had the I had the the syntax. I was writing in COBOL. I was writing in PL1. I was writing in FOIA. We made up our own languages when I was in school. But the point was that it was a blank page. I got to create the program that nobody in the world could create exactly the way I did to make that report happen. Now, five people in the room, good programmers might have all re- produced the report, but we would have all gotten there exactly their own our own way our own creative way. What did we name the fields? How did we structure it? Exactly what commands? What were our our go arounds? There would have been similarities, of course, structurally, but it would have been, and I always found that solving that problem, Debbie, was a (gasps) eureka moment. I think I just disturbed my green screen there. Don't move. Uh, It was a eureka, it was like, Wow, the program worked. I wrote 2000 codes on 2000 lines of code on Sunday. I put it in on Monday, one syntax hour, bad girl. And it was running by one o'clock in the afternoon and the report was there. Wow, that always made me happy. And people say, oh, you know, you have to have math. No, you just had to have a logical, stop thunder already, logical mind. And that was where they could, Debbie, you want to add something there? Yeah, I wanted to say, you know, it, it, the outcome of what you're doing, I always, it amazes me because my son is a computer uh, scientist. And so he's writing code. And uh, it occurred to me, he writes music too. It occurred to me, oh my goodness, code is a language and it's creative yes. and you can edit it and you can share it and you can, uh, all those things, you can change the spelling. The, but the other thing about it is when you're done with it, you said, and I'd never thought about this, it's equally creative in the sense that when you're done with it, you've got it out there and then you've got that sense of almost fear of, okay, how's it going to be received? Are they going to like it? And you may have had the initial inspiration and the insight that, yes, this is it. This is how it works. I know how to do this. And then you put it out there and you have to wait and see how others come back on it. That's well, there's hard. something very finite about a report because the report's either going to put out the data in the pages that people want and it's going to be useful to the end user or not. But I want to give you one more example. I decided oh, about 12, 10, 12 years ago that I wanted to write some romantic comedy plays. Paul, you'll get a kick out of this. So I went online and I looked up, how do you structure a play? And I found a Playwriting 101 and I downloaded it. It was just a Word document and it told me where, how to, the scene, the scenario, and how to define the characters and how to define the timeline and what font to use and how far to indent. This was structural, David. This was how do you write a script that somebody would respect enough to say, oh, I'm looking at a script because it's in the right font and it's the right size and all that. So I did that. I found out writing, I wrote, I think, for four nights in a row from one in the morning till four. 
My 30-minute play was done at that point. And I produced it with community actors in the TV studio where I had my TV show at Public Access in Great Neck. And we had a blast. We filmed it, and we actually showed it. I edited it down to 29 minutes because my shows were half hour. That was my time slot. So I edited it with a friend. Took four took four hours to edit it down. We, you know, oh, we don't need that sentence. We don't need, <coughs> excuse me, that sentence. And we got it down to 29 minutes. I ended up producing it here, Debbie, in my community with real actors. One of the plays had dancers and actors. And people didn't get it. They didn't get it. Mm. And I realized that creativity needs to seek its audience, and you don't always know who is going to be sitting in that chair, who's going to be watching that show. But... I led comedy re- script reading. Cold, Paul, I called them cold, cold comedy reading salons here. 25 people signed up. And I just put a bunch of Roald Dahl plays and some of my scripts on the tables. Everybody pick a script, spend five minutes reading. Who wants to go first? And then they would do a creative read of what was in front of them from the script, a, a, a book read. And my plays were in there. And somebody was reading and interpreting my plays. And they were so funny. And I said, oh, God, that's good. Who wrote it? Oh, crap, it's me. <laughs> So I got to appreciate as an audience member the humor and the cleverness, I'm going to say that, in what I had written. So that, Debbie, is where you don't know where it's going to fall. And that's like when you say doing a unique business, you know, how many shoe stores or how many jewelry stores, but what's unique about the one that Debbie Peterson created. On that note, I'm going to move on. Oh, wait a minute. One more finger up. Paul, go ahead, Paul. Uh, you, 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 you tossed something out there that I think is of great benefit to the, the listeners out there. And that is if you're trying to figure out how to start, how to, how to start writing a song, how to start writing a book, how to start, look at the general guidelines and rubric of what, of what people do. You don't have to reinvent the wheel coming out the gate. Find out, you know, how it's already been done. Like you want to write songs, understand why pop songs are the way they are. Verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus. Like learn the formula, understand how the formula works. And then you can, once you understand how, how the laws are and the laws of physics within the, the the realm you choose to create, then it becomes a lot easier. When I first got into grant writing, the first thing I did was uh, take a, a previous grant that had gotten money, and then I just copied the format entirety, just whole cloth, and then I made formed my argument for what I was trying to you know convince the state of California's Department of Recycling to fund. Like it's like okay, the words are all different, but the actual you know bricks and structure of the house were exactly the same and I got the grant and then I kept doing that and replicating that over and over again so just how you went and looked up oh hey this is how you write a play then boom you you suddenly you just pop it out you're not sitting there staring at a blank screen like how do I start no 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 get that out of there start with the bare bones basic simple everyone's done it already formula yep thank you Thank you. And that that gave me some kind of confidence that I'd be able to put my thoughts into this structure and it would would mean something to somebody who was reading it. Thank you. Thank you all for that. David, I'm going to combine two of your creativity statements because I like the way they fit. I'm going to surprise you two and four. I will read them for you. David says, creativity has application in all walks of life. He says, I, I'm quoting David Richards, I apply to my morning routine my problem solving and my storytelling, it is an eternal wellspring of possibility. And then I'm going to add statement number four. I am creative in ensuring every day of my life feels a little bit better 
than the day that preceded it. Paul likes that one. So does Debbie. David, you're up. Talk to us about it. You don't mind that I combine them, I hope. I thought they went no, beautifully not at all. together. Go Thank ahead. You. Thank you. No, not at all. You know, coming out of the military, life was so structured so structured and obviously the military has rules for everything and when i got out of the military i realized ah, i don't have to have that structure but i still applied a lot of it to my life i would get up at the same time and i'd go to the gym and i had this routine and i figured i'm a routine that's effective and it's productive and everything else but activity is not necessarily fulfillment and real accomplishment and as i've been working through the last couple of years on working on this next book i realized you know what, I want to enjoy every single moment. And it starts from the second I get out of bed. So even before I get out of bed, I, I used to wake up to an alarm and I found that, okay, that is one way to do it. But let me just try, and I've been doing this for about two months, let me just wake up with the sunlight and wake up when I wake up. And then before I get out of bed, I'm like, how can my life be any better than it already is? I asked myself that question out loud. And it's, and some days I'm like, I because traditionally I get out on the right side of the bed. I'm like, you know what? I want to experience something different just a little bit every day. And so I'll get out on the left side of the bed. And then it's just a little thing to start the day a little bit differently. And I find that that is a great catalyst for keeping the fires of creativity going. Thank you. And I'll tell you what my sleeping pill is at night. I'm going to surprise all of you. I stay up till midnight and I play Wordle. I don't do any any meds. I play where I have a friend in Florida and we exchange the little scorecard that shows how many how many we got right and whether we got it in two, three, four, five, or six. Never in, I think I got it in one once. That was fluke. And and we exchange it on text. And then we're both from New York and she moved to Florida. I moved to Durham. So that's something that keeps it. But I'm playing Words with Friends about 50 games with about eight people. And I take my big iPad to bed prop myself up on a pillow. I have my stylus, which I is a real, a real treat for me to spend that kind of money on a digital pencil. And I thought, boy, I'm really doing well here. Well, that was three years ago when I still, I love it. And I take it and I say, how many, okay, I've got 19 games. I got five games. I got 20 games. And I just start playing. When my eyes get so heavy that I drop the iPad onto my knees, I close it up. I put the <laughs> magnetic pencil, I put it on the table, turn out the light and I'm out cold. And you know what my theory is, Paul? and David and Debbie, is that I have this much energy left in my brain when I hit the bed and I'm not ready. And words with friends gives me, yes, I do have a look up and I do learn new words. So I'm not, I don't call it cheating, but I put the letters in. I see, you know, how many do I have and what, what can I use it? And it's a whole creative process. But to me, it uses up that extra energy that's left over that would not let me relax, David, to really go to sleep well. And I do it every night. And people say, oh, you're supposed to meditate and do this. Nah, just let me use up the what's left. Just let me do something structured, right? But let me do something that really I have fun doing. Paul, I see that. He's using his pinky a lot. I don't know. It's very... Very good. Very, yes. very elegant. I was also thinking about doing this. Let's do it like, let's do it like we're, we're, you know, like this, like we're tea, a cup of tea. Hello. Hello. Okay. Go ahead, Paul. I was going to say during those kind of waning hours of brain activity, I find that's a very good time to write, or at least for me, maybe you guys can get on the same train is that when your brain starts unraveling a little bit, uh, and you're not like 100% in your conscious mind and things are just kind of starting to get loosey-goosey, you can come out with some pretty good stuff yes. uh, because it's it's just uh, 
what's left in the tank it's coming out and you might surprise yourself just because you're you're you're, you're uh, it's like uh it's like uh um what would you say it's like it's like how you know how like wine tastes better when the grapes have to work hard it's uh <laughs> <laughs> haven't it, heard it, that <laughs> it's like the, the movie bottle shock right so you're uh the, the idea that you know you're, you're not 100 percent there and and your writing might benefit from it just because you're you're kind of having to push it a little bit i don't well, know why do you why do you think i wrote my plays between one and four in the morning for a week and ended up with plays that i really loved That's i didn't right. go back and when and you know something the voices paul the characters were coming through my keep hello microphone my keyboard <laughs> they were the voices were just debbie the the dialogue was just i knew who these people were they were inside right. of me and they just wanted me to mm-hmm. express them it was it, it amazed me that i knew who they were and that what they wanted to say. And, and I loved it. Anyway, let's go through a couple of August 8th birthdays. If you know who this per, we got six minutes left. Wow. This was fun. August 8th birthdays. I'm going to have you all give your URLs where you want people to find you before we're done. So we've got a couple minutes. Mel Tillis, country singer, songwriter, guitarist. Happy birthday, Mel Tillis born in 1932. What? Dustin Hoffman. Paul, can you believe Dustin Hoffman was born in 1937? Oh my goodness gracious. Mm, wow. Actor, singer, producer, the graduate Tootsie Rain Man. Happy birthday, Dustin Hoffman. Connie Stevens, anybody remember her? Singer, actress, Back to the Beach. Uh, Paul's too young. <laughs> Keith Carradine, the actor and singer, Young Guns. He's born today. Drew, Drew Lachey, as in Lachey. Drew Lachey. And he was, wasn't he married to Jessica, what's her name? Is Simpson. that Nick Lachey? Simpson, yeah. Oh, I Drew think. No, I think Nick was. I, I think oh, Nick, Nick Lachey. Right. Okay, well, one of the Lachey <laughs> brothers. Anyway, and Roger Federer. I like Roger Federer, Swiss tennis player, born in 1981. Boy, all the money in the world. Today, these holidays fall on August 8th. Happiness Happens Day. I think we're all having a Happiness Happens Day. International Cat Day. Meow. National CBD Day. We don't need to talk about that. National Dollar Day. Who knows what dollar is worth what anymore? Is that a plane? Yeah, that's a plane. No thunder. National Fro... You're all looking up. It's outside my window. David, don't hurt yourself. National Frozen Custard Day. Zucchini Day. I don't think you should put those on the plate at the same time. It's Garfield's friend, Odie. Odie Day. It's sneak... Listen, Paul, this is for you. Sneak some zucchini onto your neighbor's porch night. So, Paul, you, you, you go do that. Paul looks like the likeliest one to do that. And I'm... Wear your mother's jewelry. I wear a little bit of my mom's jewelry every day after she passed, so I'm okay with that. Let me give you some day in history of music. The Rolling Stones, first Rolling Stones concert at the Kerr House in The Hague, Netherlands was in 1964 on this day. Um, Benny Goodman, on this day in 1923, Paul doesn't know who he is, landed his first professional job at the age of 14 on a cruise ship on Lake Michigan. How about that? As a musician, I know. Revolver was released by the Beatles on this day in 1966. The Beatles released Eleanor Rigby on a double A-side single with We All Live in a Yellow Submarine. I tried not to sing. Um, Do you know that there's a photographer named Ian McMillan, and he took a photo of a zebra crossing a road in London, and guess what? It became the cover of Abbey Road. It was done on this day in 1969. A lot of Beatles history there. The Beatles recorded The End, and I Want You, She's So Heavy. Uh, let's see. Christine McVie played her first show as an official member of Fleetwood Mac in New Orleans, New Orleans in 1970. Creedence Clearwater Revival released Looking Out My Back Door, this day in 1970, and Blood, Sweat, and Tears released their, their album, hit number one. 
blood, sweat, and tears. Number three, let's see. Roberta Flack, feel like making love, feel like making love. Hit number one, a certified gold. Um, let's see. Viva Forever by the Spice Girls, if you want to go a little more modern. 1998 hit number one in the UK, like we all care. And the World's Festival's Sturgis Motorcycle Rally, August 5th to the 14th this year. First Friday in August for 10 days, just so you know if you want to go to Sturgis. The birthstone for August is the peridot or peridot, and the birth flower is the gladiolus. Debbie, what's your what's your flower for the month? It's your birthday, right? A couple of days ago, you said. Yes, it must be the gladiolus. I didn't know that. There you go. See, I'm just full of all kinds of information. And on this day, Carl Lewis won his third of four medals in the Summer Olympics in the 200 millimeter run in 1984. And the Mariners' Randy Johnson struck out 19 Chicago White Sox this day in 1997, like you all care. So let's go around the table. I've got about two and a half minutes. Where can people find you? And then we'll do our closing and don't go away. We'll we'll talk after the show. Paul, uh, who, where can people find you? Website, page, where all do you right. want them to go? I got a website, paulbahuwrites.com. It's supposed to be up by now. It's not up by now. And it's anyone who's ever done anything creative, you know, things never follow the timeline. But that's gonna- the website. It'll be up. I'm going to spell it anyway. P-A-U-L-B-A-H-O-U-W-R-I-T-E-S dot com. And then you can find me on Facebook.com forward slash Paul Bahu writes. And uh, I also have an Instagram and Twitter, but I don't really use them so much. P-A-U-L Paul Bahu, B-A-H-O-U. There we go. Okay. Debbie Peterson, where can people find you? It's easy. It's debbiepeterson.com. And that's D-E-B-B-I-E-P-E-T-E-R-S-O-N.com. And you will find my podcast linked there. That's called The Happiest Corruption. Uh, Sorry, that's the book, Happiest Corruption, Sleaze, Lies, and Suicide in a California Beach Town. And then the podcast is called Corruption Chronicles. And I also have a course called Double Dias for people who would like to learn how to make sure their town doesn't become the happiest corruption in America. And that's debbiepeterson.com. And you can find my book on Amazon by Googling on Amazon, Happiest Corruption. Thank you very much. A lot of information there. I have two TV shows to recommend to you. One is French. I like I watch a lot of French. It's, uh, I'm sorry, it's not, it's Swedish. Borgen, B-O-R-G-E-N. Oh, I love him. It's her. It's her. It's her. It's uh, well, maybe it's a different one then. Okay. Cindy Knudsen plays uh, Birgit Birgit Nyborg, and she goes from the first female prime minister of of uh, Denmark. It's a fabulous show. Modern times, fabulous. And the other show is Intimacy. It's it's dicey, mm-hmm. but it's about a woman who becomes a mayor, and it's the woman who was the fell in love with the professor, the cop in uh, Money Heist. If you know who she is, it's ER. Mm. It's it, yeah, very very interesting. David Richards, where can people find you? Tell me now. DavidRichardsAuthor.com. My books are available there. Check out my uh, blog, everything else. D-A-V-I-D-R-I-C-H-A-R-D-S. What'd you say the next word was? Author. A-U-T-H-O-R. I'm going to do it again. D-A-V-I-D-R-I-C-H-A-R-D-S-A-U-T-H-O-R.com. Did I get it right? You did. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, I have a couple of things to read here. And don't go away, everybody. Please stick around and we'll, we'll get off in a second here. Josh will give me, I think we have, ooh, we have about a minute and a half go. Life is short. Break the rules. Forgive quickly. Kiss slowly. Trust me, it's the only way to kiss 
Take your time. Love truly. Laugh uncontrollably. All of you, join me quickly for laughing uncontrollably. One, two, three. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't that feel wonderful? And never regret anything that made you smile. And here's the final closing. Work like you don't need the money because people don't care. They're all doing their own thing. Work like you don't need the money. Dance like no one's watching. But when I was teaching disco in a high school cafeteria in Eugene, Oregon, I danced in three-inch heels on top of a Formica tabletop. Thought I'd fall down, but that's all they gave me for the stage. I made them make a wood stage the next week and everybody watched I didn't fall sing like nobody's listening and I sang and I'm sorry but I did the best I could love like you've never been hurt because we all have get over it let yourself love again let yourself regenerate we let your heart just blossom again it will happen trust me money talks chocolate sings and last but not least I stole this line from somebody else Paul years ago Thank you for turning me on. Radio Red saying, bye for now. We'll see you next Monday here on Read My Lips. Cool conversations with hot creatives. I'm going to say that. Josh, thank you. Thanks again for tuning in to Read My Lips Radio presented by the Voice America Variety Channel. Tweet your questions and comments to at Radio Red 777. Join host, a.k.a. Radio Red, again next Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We wish you a positively cool, creative week.